place in the Premier League does go to Manchester City. It's paradise retained for Pep and his fantastic players. 14 straight wins to do it. They've had to sprint for the line from a long way out, leaving Liverpool, who have also been magnificent, the most remarkable of all runners-up ever. Yo, what's going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Clark's Pod. We've been away for a little while. As I said earlier, we we're on hiatus, but we're back now. Episode 30 of the podcast, and we've got a lot of catching up to do over the last couple of weeks. So let's get straight into it. We're going to start off reviewing the Premier League weekend fixtures and the impact it has on the title race. Well, lack of title race it is at this point. Then we're going to move on to the NBA segment where we're going to talk current standings, possible trades, and um, we're going to talk about different teams in on the NBA segment. So we're going to start off with the league leaders, Liverpool. So on Saturday lunchtime, they played against bottom of the table, Watford. So before they played, you would have thought first against bottom, it would have been a routine victory for Liverpool. I mean, they did win 2-0, but that does not tell the story of the game. Um, Watford, they had a lot of chances. They had a lot of chances to, you know, cause a serious upset to Liverpool. And their defence looked very shaky, and I was surprised at that. But yeah, they did end up getting the win. Mo Salah with two goals coming in clutch. Two well-taken goals as well. The first one was decent. I mean, cutting on his right foot. The defender thought he had him. Thought he had him on his left. Cutting. And then he just wrapped his foot round it into the top corner. It's a great finish from Mo Salah. Obviously, he's well known to, you know, use his left foot. So, for him to using his weak foot to such good effect is actually good for him. I mean, he scored another excellent goal with his weaker foot in the Champions League as well in midweek. So, if Mo Salah starts banging him in with his right foot, then boy... <laughs> There's going to be a whole lot of problems for defenders now. As I said, Watford had missed key chances, especially Ismail Assar. Um, obviously, he came in in the summer from Ren, I believe. I mean, he got a lot of pace, but in terms of end product, I don't think it's there. And he missed a sitter. Um, not just him as well, a couple other men as well. Um, Trey Deeney, obviously, he's just coming back from injury. He didn't really look sharp. Um, yeah, it's not looking good for Watford right now, I won't lie. I mean, bottom of the table, they're sitting with, like, nine points right now. Boy, I don't know, man. It's not looking good for them at all. They've had, what, three managers this season. Javi Garcia, they got rid of him. Then they brought back Kiko Sancho Flores. Th- oh, that was just a waste of a managerial appointment because he just came and nothing changed at all. And now they got Nigel Pearson, former Leicester manager. So we see if he can rally them, man, to... um to safety, but the way it's looking, I highly doubt it. But yeah, Liverpool, obviously it was a bit of a shake, shaky one for them, but they managed to get the three points. They weren't at their very best, but they got the win. That's the mark of champions. That's what makes champions. You don't expect someone to play um, at their very best 38 games in a season, but when, when your backs are against the ropes, you step up, and that's what they've done. So yeah, it was also their first clean sheet at home this season, you know. I found that very surprising because Liverpool, they're well known to have their, you know, strong defence. they got the best centre-back in the league, Van Dijk. they probably got the best full-backs in Trent and Andy Robertson. You've got your Joe Gomez, Joel Matip as well. Them man are decent, decent centre-halves. So yeah, for me, when I heard that, I was very surprised. But at the end of the day, they did get the win and they move on to bigger and better things. Of course, this week for Liverpool, though, is going to be very, very tight because they got the Carabao Cup um, quarterfinal fixture up against Aston Villa. And then the next day, they got the Club World Cup um, semi-final as well. So I think what 
years and Klopp's done, he's split the team in half. So he's going to play like a bunch of youngers. He's going to play a bunch of young Gs and that against Aston Villa. And then the big boy is going to play in the cl- Club World Cup. So yeah, it's interesting strategy. I don't know. I thought he would have just literally split the team in half. Because I feel like their squad depth is good enough. Whereby he can split the team in half. And they can beat Aston Villa. And then w- beat whoever they're playing in the Club World Cup. Because usually more time in the Club World Cup. you got them... Um, South American teams who are kind of decent. Then you got them African teams, them mainly Egyptians. Like I think they're playing like Al Hilal or one of them man there. So I don't really think you need to play your top boys in them games there. But if that's what you want to chase, then good luck to them in it. So yeah, we're gonna move on now to one of the games on Super Sunday. Arsenal fans, if you want to close your ears from now, I would advise you to do that because it's not looking really good for your team, man. They, I mean, no one expected them to win. Even the most die-hard Arsenal fan knew that they were they were they were gonna hold a beating when Man City came into the Emirates. So, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, it was a masterclass from him. I mean, what I don't understand is why we can't see these performances from Kevin De Bruyne on a regular basis. Because we know when he's at his best, he's one of the best midfielders, not just in the Premier League, but in the world. And today at the Emirates, the real Kevin De Bruyne showed up. Two goals and an assist, two outstanding goals. He's shown how he can be a threat outside the box. He's shown how he can be a threat when he's picking up balls, driving into the midfield uh, and threading them passes through. So, yeah, it was an outstanding performance from him. Um, Arsenal, they're in a bad state right now. They're in a really, really bad state. I mean, in the Europa League, they were, I think, what? They were two goals down. They ended up drawing 2-2. Two, two. They've, just, they've just been a bad side, man. Obviously, the sacking of Unai Emery, they brought in Freddie, a club legend, if you want to call him that. Um, y- usually you expect them to have a little manager bounce. You know when like you get get rid of an old manager, bring a new manager who's like a club legend or is play for the club, know what it means to bleed for Arsenal. You think yeah, they're gonna he's gonna motivate them to at least go on a good run of form. But I don't he hasn't really done that. I mean they went what they lost they went three games without a win. They only beat West Ham on Monday night football last week. That was their first win under Freddie. Um, and they want to go down in the beginning. So it showed them resilience to get the win, but still, they're not looking good right now. They're not looking good at all. Um, they haven't really had that managerial bounce, as I was talking about. When Oli came to United, they won, what, 13 matches on the bounce. They got the managerial bounce. Even um, flipping Big Dunk, Duncan Ferguson. We're going to come on to him later in the show. Hey, don't sleep on Big Dunk, you know. That's Brexit football at its finest. Even Everton got a little bounce. They beat Chelsea. We're going to come on to their draw away against Manchester United team. But yeah, they got the bounce. That's what I'm trying to say. But with Arsenal, I don't know. I think their problems are deep lines that not even a managerial change can really save what's going on at the Emirates right now, man. It's not looking good. Obviously, as a United fan, like, man, last them mocks them. But it's a thing whereby... Like, it's not fun no more, man. Even, like, the Pepe banter that we used to run, like, it's not fun. Like, I'll still laugh at Arsenal fans, but it's like, come on, bruv. When are you actually going to step up? I mean, we've seen glimpses, innit? He scored that brace in the Europa League. He scored against West Ham. It was a brilliant goal, cutting on his left. This is what we want to see from him. But other than that, he hasn't really been popping off like that. But, yeah, Arsenal, they're now languishing in ninth. They are, what, seven points away from top four. So, we're just going to have to wait and see what goes on. Just this morning, at the time of recording, they um they have been heavily linked with Mikel Arteta for him to 
take the throne at the Emirates. So we're just going to have to wait and see how that develops. But Arsenal have said they're looking at a number of managerial candidates, up to 10. Looking at Poch, I think that's out of bounds, bro. They can't get him. They're looking at Ancelotti, Mikel Arteta, and a couple others. So I feel like um, they're going to speed up the process. I won't be surprised if we see a new permanent Arsenal manager by the end of the year. So, yeah, that's Arsenal. Man City, boy, it's been a it's been a wretched season for them. I mean, losing in the derby, um, draws against Newcastle. These are results that are unacceptable. I feel like it's not just the, the fact that Laporte's injured that's affecting them. It's the fact that Fernandinho has to play at centre-back as well. Otamendi, we all know that's not Pep's guy at all. I don't think that's a Pep defender. Um, Pep don't like them rash guys that lunge into challenges recklessly. He likes them man that play that cute football out the back. Otamendi's not that guy, but he's been trying, isn't it? But at the moment, it's not. Ju- it's just not good enough. Right now, Man City sit 14 points off top of the table, Liverpool. So I think it's fair to say that they have to look to other competitions if they want to win a piece of silverware this season. So yeah, um, yeah, I don't see City winning. I don't see them winning the league at all. They're going to have to focus on like the Champions League and things like that. But yeah, it's, it's just a bad time for City. Whether they'll bounce back ne- next season, we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, Let's move on though. Going to move on to the game at Molyneux. Wolves hosted Tottenham Hotspur. Wolves, they've been, Wolves, they've been, they've been all right this season. They've been decent. Obviously, after last season, teams are woke now. They're aware of how much of a threat they can be, especially against the big boys. But they did cause Spurs a lot of problems, as you would expect, especially with them playing at home. Um, Lucas put them up. Lucas put them 1-0 up. Um, obviously, it's a Jose Mourinho Spurs side now. It's been that long since we've recorded so many managerial departures. But yeah, um, when I first heard about that acquisition, I was I was excited for Spurs. Obviously, he's, he's a former United manager. Um, we're not going to really talk too much about his time at United, even though he did bring some silverware, but we're not going to talk about the <laughs> the war crimes he committed at that club, if you want to call them that. I feel like Spurs squad is very decent. They've got good players in that. Um, I feel like he can power them to a top four finish. I have no doubt about that. Who knows? They could cause some sides trouble in the Champions League. We all know how Mourinho steps up in big games and things like that. So, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. They did snatch that last-minute win. A man like big Jan Vertonghen coming in from the corner to win the game for Spurs. That's a big three points for them. Adama Traore did briefly equalise for Wolves before Vertonghen went and snatched that winner. So, yeah, Spurs right now, they're sitting in fifth in the table, three points off Chelsea, so they're breathing down their backs. Um, I think they can. I think they can catch Chelsea and end up in the top four. I got no doubt about that. Mourinho, um, you can say what you want about his about his antics and things like that, but I'm not. I'm not buying the. I'm not buying people saying that he's rubbed. He's finished. He's done. Um, his tactics are old. I still think there's a still a quality quality manager in him, and I feel like he'll show the best of that at Spurs. Let's move on though. We're gonna move on to the other game on Super Sunday. So Man United hosting Everton. United came into this game in 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 really good form. Um, they won in the Europa League four 0 All four goals coming in the second half. They beat Spurs. They beat Manchester City at the Etihad. Huge, huge win for them. And me personally, I was sold after that game. I was like, you know what? We've had patchy run of form, um, but I believe that Oli can really take us if we give him time because the players the players really like him. Like after that after our patchy results, they went to him. 
I think Marcus Rashford was one of the players as well. They went to the board and pleaded with them not to sack Solskjaer to give him more time. And I was really worried for him after that game. After them draws against that Aston Villa and we bottled that Sheffield United game. Um, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe it's time for a change. I can't lie. I'm not going to lie. I was only in for so long. Those two games, they just hurt me, bro. I was thinking, we got Spurs, then we got Man City. We're just going to get beat down twice. Like, what's the point? But then against Spurs, a really, really good showing. Marcus Rashford stepping up. This guy's on fire right now. He's already equaled his goal tally for the whole of last season. And we're not even at Christmas yet. So, we have big things for him. Can you touch that 20-goal um, tw- can he touch 20 goals in the Prem? That's what I want to see for him. That's the next challenge for him. Because the most things people say about him is the fact that uh, he doesn't score enough, he don't score enough. But this season, Rashford has really stepped up. I mean, in the big game, he, he scored four goals against Chelsea in two meetings. Let's not even talk about that free kick in the Carabao Cup. Levels. He scored against he scored against Man City, stepped up, took the penalty. He got an assist against Arsenal. He scored against Leicester. Like he's stepping up. He's becoming a big time player. And that's what I love to see from Rashford, man, because the potential is there for him. Trust me. So yeah, those two games, I was thinking there was no hope, but we went to Etihad, we beat Man City. It was a great performance. We could have easily won by four or five. And that's not being beat. And that's not me being biased. I mean, we ran them right. On the counter-attack, we were lethal. Dan James, Rashford. Uh, Marshall, they were all locked in. It was an excellent performance. So, yeah, coming into this Everton game, I'm thinking, all right, cool. We've won three on the bounce. Two of them including top sides in Spurs and Man City. So, please, let's just, you know, get this win against Everton and close the gap because Chelsea already lost the day before. I'm going to come on to them soon when they played against Bournemouth. So, yeah, I'm thinking, let's just step up and get this win. But then we go around there. Yeah, all right, cool. We started off kind of, we started off kind of decent. Yeah. We were attacking, you know playing good football, but then Everton slowly began began to grow in the game and you could see that they were stringing passes together. The crowd were even doing a lay after every single pass and I was like, this, this is a problem, this is a problem. Because when a side builds confidence like that, you can almost see that the goal is coming for them. And that's what happened not too long off the stroke of half-time, Victor Lindelof scoring their own goal. And um, you could say that Calvert-Lewin fouls the hair in the build-up. I thought it was a foul, but... There's no excuse for that, man. There's no excuse. You still have to clear the danger, man. So, yeah, we go go down, and it's not until, like, l- later on in the game, Mason Greenwood comes on, and he scores a vital goal, which salvages a point for us. Big up Mason Greenwood. I mean, he's, b- he's, been, he's been outstanding for us. He scored against Sheffield United. That was his first Premier League goal. He scored now against Everton. He's scoring in the Europa League. I want to see him. I want to see him start. I think he deserves a starting spot ahead of a guy like Jesse Lingard. But I don't know if Oli wants to do that because then we'll have like, what, four attackers on the pitch and also Greenwood. So I don't really know how he's going to figure it all out, but we'll just have to wait and see. Disappointing result. Um, we now move on to the Carabao Cup where we play Colchester United. Hopefully we should we should win. That would t- send us into the semi-finals. So that's probably our real, real chance of silverware. And then we have Watford at home. On the weekend, bottom of the table, Watford. So, boy, I don't know. I don't know. We have Watford away, sorry, on the weekend. Obviously, we are four points away from the top four, and Chelsea do have a tough run of games to come in. So, who knows? We could possibly be in the top four come, you know, the end of the year. I hope so anyway. But we, we can't, we cannot, cannot play down to our opposition 
we have to step up and have performances like the ones against City, like the ones against Spurs every single week. That's what Solskjaer needs to drill into these players. We cannot afford to be complacent. So, yeah, we're going to move on now to um, Chelsea. So, yeah, as I said earlier, Chelsea losing at home. Surprise defeat against Bournemouth, losing 1-0. Bournemouth coming into this game, haven't won in their last five Premier League games. Games And they had a plethora of injuries as well. Um, they had no Callum Wilson, no Harry Wilson. Um, they had no Akne Fenate. So, yeah, the writing was really on the wall for Bournemouth coming into Ch- uh, Chelsea side who, you know, they were looking decent in the last couple of games. Obviously, they're in the last 16 for the Champions League as well. We're going to speak about the Champions League draw, which has just happened at this time of recording later on in the show. So, yeah, you're thinking, you know, Frank's men, they're going to go around there, like they're going to come away with the win, but it was not to be. Um, They lost at home to West Ham not too long ago as well, so... I think they have to, you know, try stamp out that. They have to try stamp out those losses. If they can convert them to at least draw, then I feel like they'll be decent enough to finish in the top four. But they really have to, you know, step up. Obviously, they've got their transfer ban. It's been uplifted. So we're going to have to see if they're going to step into the transfer market to get some quality that they can build on. Because in the Champions League, that squad ain't good enough to beat who they've been drawn up against in the Champions League. Not at all. Um, they've still got a lot of young players. You know, Fikayo Tomori, he's been very decent at the back for them. Recently signed a new contract extension, so big up him. Obviously, you've got your Mason Mount. Tammy Abraham's come into the season on fire. He's in double digits this season already. The second top scorer in the league with 11. Um, yeah, you've got your Kurt Zuma's just come back from injury. Rudiger's just come back from injury, so that he, he's an established player in the side, so that could help them out. Um, yeah, so Callum Hudson Odoi, let's not talk about him. He hasn't been he hasn't been good at all this season. Um, obviously he's coming back from an ACL injury, so hopefully he's for his own sake he steps up and you know becomes the player that he has the potential to be. Becomes a player that Bayern Munich wanted to invest forty odd million in. So hopefully we see that Callum Hudson Odoi. Um, before the end of the season. Let's move on, though, to second in the table. Leicester City, the Foxes, um, playing on Saturday. They were looking to close the gap between them and Liverpool. They were on an eight-game win streak. Jamie Vardy was on fire, banging in in his last eight or nine Premier League games. So he was on fire. So you knew Norwich were in for a problem, especially with their shambolic defence. But, yeah, they managed to get a vital, vital draw. I mean, Timu Puki. He stepped up, got another goal. Good for him because he went through a real goal drought after his fire start to the season. He scored. That was his ninth for the season. So big up him. Back in the goals. Leicester did get an equaliser. Jamie Vardy header, but it was deemed to go in off the keeper. Tim Krul own goal. So Leicester, now now 10 points adrift from league leaders Liverpool. It's a massive, massive gap. Um... I still feel like they're in the title race because what Brendan Rodgers has built there is a fantastic squad. You've you've got a bunch of guys who are determined to win and fight for the team. James Madison has been amazing. Jamie Vardy has been has been fantastic. Um, you've got that Son Yonchu Don, the centre half. He's been brilliant. Man like Johnny Evans as well. Johnny Evans is going through a real. He's revitalised his career. I mean, obviously after leaving United, after winning all those Premier League titles, he went to West Brom. Obviously, they got relegated. He's back at Le- he's at Leicester now, and he's doing a thing. He's in another title race. 
So big up him. We've got Ben Chilwell. Like, there's so many ballers in that Leicester side, man. Trust me. Yuri Tielemans. Um, fam, there's, they got they got so many ballers. So, yeah, big up Leicester. It's, it's good to see them in another title race. So, yeah, we're just going to round up the rest of the Premier League results before we move on to the upcoming fixtures this weekend. So, Burnley beat Newcastle 1-0. Big up Chris Wood getting on the score sheet. Sheffield United beat Aston Villa 2-0. Sheffield United, yeah. Big up them, man. Big up Chris Wilder. What he's done at that team, what he's accomplished has been amazing. I mean, before the season started, there was no one. No one thought Sheffield United would survive. And if you did, you're either lying or you live in Sheffield. That's the only, that's the, those are the only two things because we thought they were goners. I mean, looking at their squad, their lack of investment, really, they didn't really have money to spend. But what they have done is outstanding. I mean, they're sitting in seventh in the league after 17 games, 25 points. They're level on points with United. Like, what? What? And that's why sides like Watford, sides like um, Aston Villa, Southampton, they have to be worried because now that rele one relegation spot has been freed up because Sheffield United ain't going down. I'll tell you that for free. They're not getting relegated, man. They're not getting that. So Watford, they have to watch over their backs because they could easily, easily go down. So, yeah, big up Sheffield United. Man, like Johnny Fleck banging in two goals for them um, against Aston Villa who are looking, they're looking in trouble. I mean, they picked up some decent wins, but... They've also had some grueling, grueling losses, man. So, yeah. On the Saturday night football, West Ham picked up a vital win at St. Mary's away at Southampton. Sebastian Allaire getting back on the score sheet after uh, a little goal drought is good for him, man. Because when you spend 40 M's on a striker, you got to be banging them in, fam. you got to be winning games for your side. And that's what he's done there. So, big up them West Ham. Obviously, Manuel Pellegrini, he's been, he's been criticised heavily. He's, put, he's been tipped as one of the managers to lose their job as well. But if he can keep on getting results like that, especially away from home from a fellow relegation candidate, then surely he'll be able to keep his job. So, yeah, that was a big, big win for the, for the, um, for the Amers. The Amers. At the time of the recording, um, there's also Monday Night Football taking place. It's the A23 derby between Crystal Palace and Brighton. It's not really a derby. I don't know why these teams call, like to call their um, their little match-up a rivalry. The fact that it's called A23 as well, because that's the road that leads you from Croydon Sides to Brighton. It's, they're just reaching at this point. Like Derbies is meant to be a local thing, like Man City, Man United, Tottenham, Arsenal, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday. How are you going to tell, man, Crystal Palace and Brighton are a derby? Like, come on, man. But, yeah, so they got their little derby at Selhurst Park. We'll see how that goes down. Um, now we're going to look ahead to the fixtures this weekend. So, on Saturday, big dunk. Duncan Ferguson. Obviously, he's got his draw against Man United. He's got his win against Chelsea. I got a little beef with him. I won't lie, though. He's doing my boy Moise Keane dirty. Moise Keane came on at the um in the game against Manchester United in the 70th minute. He was substituted in the 89th minute. My man played for 19 minutes. I can't lie. In that time, he wasn't all that. He committed like two fouls. And that's about it. But then he got subbed again for Umar Nias. Umar Nias, yeah. I forgot this guy even still plays for Everton. Everton got some guys locked up, you know, that haven't kicked the ball for time. Leighton Baines still plays for Everton. I forgot about that guy. Leighton Baines used to be a bad boy left back back in the day, you know. Him and Steven Pina on that left-hand side for, for Everton. Boy, they were a problem. But yeah, 
on. What is he keen? He got subbed. Literally, as soon as he got subbed, after getting subbed on, walked straight down the tunnel. Duncan Ferguson didn't look him in the eye, didn't shake his hand. So I really feel sorry for this guy, man, because he's 19 years old. He's just coming into a new country, got a big price tag, 27 million pounds from Juventus. Even in Juventus and Serie A, I experienced a lot of racism. I mean, he's been through a lot for a youth that's only 19, man. Like, it seems like he just can't catch a break. And I know, I know there's a quality player inside there. I know he's, there's a quality player inside him, man. Because he's got some Italy caps as well. Like, from a black brother to a black brother, I just want to see him do well, man. That's all I want to see. So, I feel like his, his career at Everton is done. He's going to have to look for a move. I feel like he'll probably go back to Italy. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really, really poor, man. I feel sorry for the guy, man. But, yeah, Duncan Ferguson, in the end, tried to lie and say, I will trying to waste time. I'm not buying it. I ain't buying it at all, man. I can see through guys like that, but trust me. But, yeah, on the football side of things, he's done a very good job at Everton so far. Let's see if he can keep it up when Arsenal come into town. So, that'll be an interesting game. Liverpool, they're not playing this week, and as I did say, um, obviously because of the uh, um, the Club World Cup. So yeah, on Sunday we got two big games: Watford host Man United at Vicarage Road. We'll see if Man United can get back to winning ways following that disappointing draw at home against Everton. And then it's the big one from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's Spurs up against Chelsea. Two candidates trying to get into the top four, get back to playing Champions League football. Well, they already are, but, you know, for another season. So, yeah, um, three points separate the sides at the moment. So, it's a big, big game for both teams. We'll see if Jose Mourinho against one of his former clubs, Chelsea, can mastermind another victory. <laughs> Or shithouse his way to a victory. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, those are the fixtures for this coming weekend in the Premier League. Now we're going to talk about the Champions League draw for the last 16. We've got some heavyweight battles. It's looking mad. It's looking very, very mad. So yeah, Champions League draw. We've got Borussia Dortmund against PSG. Real Madrid against Man City. Pep Guardiola going back to Spain against one of these, one of these greatest foes, Real Madrid. Obviously, he managed against their enemies, Barcelona. He played for Barcelona against Real Madrid also a few times. So, yeah, we're going to see. Because Man City, the one trophy that's eluded them has been the Champions League. We're going to see if they can beat this Real Madrid side who, let's be honest, Real Madrid is not the same Real Madrid from, from five, six years ago. I mean, they've got aging stars. You've got your Kroos, Modric. They're all past 30. Um, Gareth Bale's been in and out of the squad. We all know how the way Zidane's been treating him. Um, Eden Hazard, what's that, one goal, one assist in La Liga this season? I mean, poor, very, 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 very poor. So, yeah, we're going to see. Maybe they could be there for the taking. We'll have to wait and see. But with City's defence, they have to hope and pray that Laporte can come back before these men go head to head. Um, <coughs> Atlanta against Valencia. Liverpool against Atletico Madrid. That's going to be a very, very, very good game. We all know how rigid... Diego Simeone's back four is. Obviously, they've got the Kieran Trippier now. You've got the Jose Maria Jimenez. They ain't got Golden no more. Um, you've got your Felipe Luis. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how their man can keep up with the likes of Salah, Firmino, Mane. I feel like Liverpool will be the favourites, being the Champions League holders and being how good they are over two legs in a Champions League game. So, yeah, they'll be licked 
not licking their lips because they know it'll be a tough game, but they'll be feeling confident that they can get the win and advance to the last eight of the Champions League. Um, we've got Chelsea against Bayern Munich. Boy, that's a big one. That's a huge one. Obviously, Chelsea beating Bayern Munich in the 2012 Champions League final. Big up Didier Drogba stepping up, taking that clutch penalty. He took his team to the promised land and got them their first Champions League trophy. So, yeah. It'll be an emotional, emotional game. Obviously, Frank Lampard was in that side. He's now managing Chelsea. So, maybe he can uplift them to a win. But, boy, it's going to be hard because you see that brother called Robert Lewandowski? That man scored goals for fun, bruv. Like, such a clinical striker. The best number nine in world football right now, hands down. I don't think there's no arguments about that right now. So, yeah. Obviously, up seeing what they've done to... <laughs> London arrival Spurs. Chelsea will be very wary as the task they have ahead, especially with their young team. I don't think Mason Mount, Bikayo Tomori, Callum Hudson-Odoi, that man ain't ready for Goretzka, Muller, Lewandowski, Perisic, Coutinho. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't think they're ready, fam. So it'll be very, very tight. Leon play Juventus. Spurs up against RB Leipzig. That's a little interesting clash still. Um, Leipzig, they're a very, very decent side in Germany. They're currently top in the Bundesliga. Obviously, you've got your um, Timo Werners, your Diet Automecanos, your Yusuf Poulsons. You've got your Marcel Sabitzers. they got a decent seat. they got a decent team. So, they're not a team to be slept on, Leipzig. Not at all. So, Spurs will have to be at their best if they want to advance to the last eight. Obviously, Spurs are beaten finalists in the Champions League last season. Um, Napoli up against Barcelona, another very, very decent clash. Um, I feel like Barcelona, they'll, they'll have enough enough to beat them. I don't think Napoli pose such a serious threat. But Barcelona in the Champions League, last couple years, they have been very, very, very shaky. So we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe Dries Mertens and Cole can pull off the upset. So, yeah, that's the football segment on Clutch Pod. As I said earlier, we were on hiatus for a couple months. Last time we recorded was in August. So, yeah, but we are back. Um, this season, we're not going to be able to upload regularly due to circumstances beyond my control. But I'm going to make sure I try and record as much as I can. As always, don't forget to follow us on, on Twitter at Clutch underscore pod. We're also on Instagram at Clutch underscore pod as well, where we've been very, very active. So, yeah, as always, much love for the support. If you're still listening to this point, big up you. And, yeah, we're moving on to the NBA segment where I can't wait because this NBA season has been a madness already. So, yeah, Clutch Pod, we out. you got to be aware of the inbounder here if you're Philly. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Pod. This is the NBA segment. We've got a lot to get into just past a quarter into the season. So both teams have played with, like, what, 27, 28 games. Before we get into everything, let's just look at the standings right now. Right now, the Bucks sit at top of East. Looking mad. They're on, like, what, 18-game win streak. They're 24-3. So, yeah, they've been on fire. Yanis averaging, like, what, 31, 13, and 5. Um, a lot of people have said that he's their favourite to win MVP again, back-to-back. But, yeah, it's looking mad still. But you see with the Bucks, yeah, I want to 
delve into that 18 game win streak because at right, cool winning 18 games in the NBA in a row is very very impressive but when you break it down and look at the teams they really beat yeah I don't know if I'm convinced man that's not even me being biased as a Philly fan but when you look at it I'm thinking bro where's all the hard games fam at right, cool the win streak started 11th of November they beat the Thunder so they've been OKC they've beaten the Bulls They've beaten the Pacers on the road. That's a decent win because the Pacers have been balling this season. They've beaten the Bulls again on the road. They've beaten the Hawks. They've beaten the Trailblazers. Trailblazers have been disappointing this season. We're going to come on to that. It's not entirely their fault because they suffered a plethora of injuries. But still, you got to beat who you got to beat, basically. They've beaten the Pistons. they beat the Jazz. Jazz have also been another disappointing team this season. they beat the Hawks again. they beat the Cavs. The Hornets, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, and the Cavs again. Like, come on. How many of those teams are sub-500? Like, they beat the Cavs twice. They beat the Hawks twice. Hawks ain't even got John Collins. They beaten the Bulls twice. Like, come on. Come on, dog. He's, who's creating the, the fixtures for them, man? Like, come on, man. But, yeah, this they got interesting upcoming um next couple of games. So, their next six, they got the Mavs, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Pacers, and then Christmas Day, they got the Philadelphia 76ers, which would be which would be a cracker still. So, yeah, but you can't take anything away from them because at the end of the day, you can only beat who you've been matched up against. Like, you can't change the schedule and be like, no, nah, I don't want to play the Bulls today. I want to play Lakers. Like, But, yeah, big up them. Um, We'll see what they're really made of coming um after Christmas because that's when their schedule gets a bit difficult. Even at that, it doesn't even look that hard. But yeah, big up Yanis, MVP favorite right now. He's been balling. Um, don't even really look into statistics that much, but he's on record to break um the highest PER player efficiency rating in NBA history. So you know you're doing something right when you're beating Wilt Chamberlain records. Like damn. But yeah, um, Bucks sit atop the West. The Miami Heat, the surprise package of the NBA. I listen, big up the Miami Heat, man. Big up Jimmy Butler. That was my guy in Philly. Obviously, he left for pastures new. I can't really hate him for that because at the end of the day, he didn't really want to be in Philly. He said that when he was in, when he was trying to get traded from the Timberwolves. He said the teams he wanted to play for. Uh, the Miami Heat, what I want to ask is, are they legitimate contenders, though? Not NBA, not championship contenders, but can they can they come out of the East? That's the key question we're asking for. Because they've been balling so far this season. I mean, they've got so much talent, yeah? Young talent in that team. Kendrick Nunn came from nowhere. Undrafted. Spent four years in college. He's been balling. Rookie of the year candidate, no doubt. Um, also, their starting point guard. Averaging 16 points. Three rebounds. 3.6 assists. Um, their back, his backcourt partner, Duncan Robinson. That's a shooter right there. He, he drains them from deep. Literally. 10 threes in the game, 10, he went 10 for 16 from the field, he's a real flamethrower, so yeah, they got some young talent, you got Tyler Hero coming off the bench, that's another shooter, you got Jimmy Butler, the leader of the team, I feel like they all look up to him as well, because when he came, what Jimmy Butler brings to that Miami Heat organisation is real grit, leadership, and you know, uh, he's no-nonsense type, I feel like He's got these young kids, they look up to him. All these rookies, your Kendrick Nunn's, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo's been balling as well. Like, they all look up to him. Their roster's very decent. 
Bam Adebayo has been balling this season. A candidate for most improved player of the year. He's averaging 15, and 15, 10 and 5. And what, what he's really surprised me this season is his playmaking ability. I mean, this guy has got two triple doubles already this season. For a big man, yeah, that's amazing, bruv. Earlier, I didn't really think he was the guy to, you know, be dishing out dimes and shit like that. But he's proven to be a very, very versatile player. So big up Bam Adebayo. Obviously, you've got Myers Leonard as well. Um, I feel like their squad depth is great as well. they still got Goran Dragic. He's a seasoned veteran. You've got your Kelly Olynyk coming off the bench. He can stretch the floor. Real nice player, stretch four. Um, you've got Justice Winslow as well. He's a versatile player. Can play one through three. Uh, Dion Waiters has been casted away. We ain't going to talk about him. But yeah, their squad depth is really, really good. You've got Derek Jones Jr., fantastic he's got fantastic athleticism so yeah their 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 roster is very decent but i feel like me personally i don't see them as eastern conference contenders but i feel like they have the assets to pull off a blockbuster trade if they can if they can pull off a trade for i don't even know where do they leave upgrading in i would say at the five they could do with upgrading because Myers and take nothing away from him seven footer he can hit the three as well very very good shooter from the outside but i feel like they could use someone much better defensively also. So, I don't know if they can, you know, go out and get maybe a Miles Turner from the Pacers, who's been rumoured to be in trade talks. Gonna come, um, if they can get him, I don't know what they'll have to give up. I feel like, uh, if, they, if the Heat are to trade for someone, Justice Winslow will have to, will be the main asset that teams will be asking for in exchange for one of their players. So, yeah, if they can get, I don't know, Miles Turner, or, boy, I don't even know if they can pull off a Kevin Love. Because I don't know, their contract situation is looking a bit... I don't know what their contract situation is looking like. Because they have, as I said, they have a number of rookie players still on their rookie contract. So, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, obviously the rookie. So, yeah, but big up the Miami Heat. Real surprise package of the NBA. Big up Jimmy Butler as well. And third in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers, 20-8 record at this time of recording. They just got blown out in Brooklyn by the Nets without Kyrie. Disappointing loss, but I feel like losses like that happen all the time, man. Like, it's an 82-game season. You can't expect to go 82-0. and 0. But, yeah, we've had our recent ups and downs this season. Obviously, me being a Philly fan, had some real good wins. We've had some disappointing losses against the Wizards, for example. I don't understand how we lost to them. They're such a poor team defensively. Obviously, recently, the guys on inside the NBA, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, they've criticised Joel Embiid heavily. And you know, when, when you're getting criticised by Hall of Famers like Shaq and Chuck, you know you got to step up your game. And he did step up his game against the Boston Celtics. He led us on 38 points and 13 rebounds against the Celtics. That was a big, big game for us. Huge win on the road. Currently, the biggest one of the big problems for us is the fact that we can't, we can't win on the road, man. We just can't win on the road. We're what? We're six and eight on the road. We've lost on the road to teams such as like OKC. We lost to um, Brooklyn, as I said. We lost to the Wizards, Utah, Phoenix. 
Like we we just can't win on the road. I don't know why. At home, we're undefeated, 14 and 0. The only undefeated team at home left in the NBA. So that's a big, big plus for us. You know, the the fans in the Wells Fargo Center, they go crazy. Philly fans are tough. Trust me, brother. I've been there. Yeah, the crowd, I think we've led the league in attendance for like the last three years in a row, which is amazing. So big up the Philly fans. Big up the man them turning up in the the Wells Fargo Center. So yeah, one of the main problems for us, other than our inability to win on the road, is the fact that it's the lack of shooting in the team. I mean... Anyone could tell you that this Philly team l- lacks shooting, but damn, we're bad, man. We're we're a bad shooting team. Obviously, Mike Scott went through a rough patch. He's one of our best three-point shooters. Tobias Harris went through a patch. He shot 0 for 23 from beyond the arc a couple weeks ago. Like this, this accumulated over a couple games, though. You did, it wasn't a single game, but stuff like that. We can't be going through them rough patches because Tobias Harris is one of our best three-point shooters. One guy I want to talk about, my dog, my rookie, Matisse Thibault, went 23rd in the draft, but he's been he's been a real stud. I mean, that guy can lock up defensively. He gets his steals. He gets his blocks. I mean, 6'5", got a 7-foot wingspan. He's a baller, man. Trust me. And off late, he started to add a three-point shot. Right now, yeah, as, I, as I'm recording this video, he's sixth in the league in three-point percentage. He recently just qualified because, obviously, you got to hit a certain amount of threes to qualify. But he's recently just qualified. He's shooting 46.7% from beyond the arc. And he's really, really shown improvements in his catch-and-shoot threes. So if he can knock them down, then, boy, we, we got a player on our hands. Because defensively, he, he is that guy. So big up him. Obviously, Ben Simmons, he's, he's hit two threes recently. Um, he's, still, he's still not shooting it, though. He's not shooting it as much as much as I like. Obviously, Brett Brown has said, yeah, you want him to shoot at least one three-point in a game and go to the line eight times, but he hasn't been doing that. I don't want to talk too much about Philly because, obviously, I could go on for days being a Philly fan. But, yeah, we're going to move on, though. Um, Boston Celtics, they've been decent this season as well, 17-7 record. Um, the acquisition of Kemba Walker has been very, very decent. He's been balling for them. Obviously, the main, the main dot on his record is can he ball for a winning team? Because we know at Charlotte he was that guy in it. Obviously, most people know. Because I can't lie, not everyone was tuning into Hornets games other than like nationally televised games, in it. But yeah, the question for him was can he do it like for a winning team? And he's answered. He has answered those critics one thousand percent. I mean, he's a leading scorer. He's averaging 20, 23 points, five assists. So, yeah, Jalen Brown's been balling as well. Obviously, he got a lot of raised eyebrows for that contract extension. What was it, like four-year, 85 mil or something like that? But, yeah, he's really answered those critics. He's been balling as well, averaging just under 20 and six a game. JT, he's been he stepped up as well. He had a disappointing sophomore year last year. Obviously, that could be attributed to many factors. Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward getting um, put back into the starting lineup, whatever. But, yeah, he's averaging 20 points and 7 rebounds. So, yeah, the Celtics are going strong. The main problem for them is the lack of length that they have in their starting lineup. I mean, their starting center is Daniel Feist, and he's, what, six foot eight. So, if they're coming up against teams like the Bucks or even Philly in the playoffs, where the shortest guy is Josh Richardson at 6'6", then, boy, they're in for a problem. Obviously, the main trade for them would be they want to get Steven Adams from OKC. That's the, He's the guy that they've been linked with the most. So, you could really, you know, bolster them at centre. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens 
obviously the trade window has just been open at December the 15th so in the next coming weeks we should see a few trades flying here and there it'll be interesting to see who goes where obviously Kevin Love's been put on the trade block as well the Cavs are aggressively trying to move him it'll be interesting to see where Kevin Love lands apparently the market for Kevin Love is a protected first round pick a salary filler and possibly an expiring contract so it'll be interesting to see where Kevin Love lands wherever he lands there's no doubt he could vastly improve a team whether or not it's a contending team or a team on the fringes of 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 the playoffs so yeah um let's move over to the west side lakers you know they've been balling in the west 24 and 3 record they've won their last 15 consecutive games on the road that is crazy for you to win 15 on the road is mad lebron james looking like a real mvp candidate 26 points he's leading the league in assists as well at 11 that's outstanding for him the first time in his career that he's um, averaging double digits assists this late into a season anthony davis is balling he's averaging 27 points nine rebounds three assists shooting 50 percent from the field getting his blocks as well big up dwight howard as well he's been balling he's really really reignited his career coming back to la i mean he's had Last couple of years have been poor. He was at Washington where he was injured. He was at Charlotte where he, he was playing shit. <laughs> Being respectful, that is. But yeah, big up him. Um, Yeah, the Lakers, the Lakers are looking very, very decent. Obviously, they had a bit of injury worries. Rajon Rondo was injured, but he's back now. They recently just got Avery Bradley back from injury as well. But yeah, they're looking like a real force in the Western Conference. But the main problem for me... Because I predict them to win the NBA Finals. That's my pick to win the NBA Finals right now. Ahead of the Clippers. Um, main problem for me is the, the mileage. I mean, LeBron and AD both in the top 20 for most minute, for most average minutes played per game. And I feel like especially, not even especially for both of these guys. For both of these guys. Because Anthony Davis has proven to be injury prone as well. And LeBron James, the mileage on his legs. I feel like. They're averaging too many minutes. Like, LeBron James has come out and said he doesn't want to do the whole load management thing like the other team in LA are doing. Shaking my head. <laughs> but um, he says if he's fit, he wants to play. And I respect that. But I just hope that he's fresh come playoff time because they're in for a real, real battle if he wants to win his fourth championship. But, yeah, as I said, Lakers 15-0 and 0 on the road. They're looking like a real, real problem. So, big up them. Second in the West. The Clippers 20 and 8 record. Obviously, their starting lineup hasn't really played a lot of games together. Kawhi Leonard's missed. He's missed his last three back to back, so he hasn't played the second game in a back to back in the last like three or so games. Pat Bev's been out for a minute, injured. Landry Shamet's been injured. Paul George come back recently. He's been balling for them, averaging averaging about 25 points and six rebounds. But yeah, they've, they've been balling, so obviously they've held L's now and then, but they're not really looking into that deeply because the main thing for the Clippers is the postseason. They're just solely focused on the postseason. Hence why Kawhi Leonard's been rested heavily because they need him fresh for the playoffs because they know what that guy can do come postseason. He's shown them. He's shown that in Toronto. Third in the West, surprisingly so, the Dallas Mavericks, they've been balling. Luka Doncic has been balling. I mean, he's third in MVP voting already this season. Almost averaging a 30-point triple-double a night. That is crazy. 29 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. As I'm speaking, he sprained his ankle. It was a nasty ankle sprain. Just the other night, 
quarter when they played the Miami Heat. The X-ray came back negative, so hopefully he won't be out for long. They're saying like two to three weeks, but um, I really don't want them to rush him. I don't want him. I don't want these injuries to reoccur because Doncic has been balling, man. So hopefully he comes back, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how far he can carry this Dallas Mavericks team, and whether or not they can clinch a top four seed in the Western Conference, which will give them a home court advantage, which will be crazy for them, um, because at the beginning of the season, I didn't see them doing that. Even though they do have a good roster, you've got your Paul Zingis, you've got Seth Curry off the bench, that's a shooter. Tim Hardaway Jr., he's hit and miss. Like, one, some days I'll check the box score, the brother will drop like 30, a 30 piece on someone. The other day he's dropping like six points. So, I, like, you don't really know what you're getting from Tim Hardaway Jr. on, on a daily basis. But on his game, on his day, he's a baller. But yeah, I'm going to talk about some teams that have disappointed me this season. No, before we get into that, we need to talk about James Harden because this brother, I don't know why James Harden doesn't get doesn't get the respect around M- around NBA fans that he deserves. Like this brother is putting up forty points a night, forty. Please let that sink in. He's dropping a forty piece every single night, fam. Every night, bro. Please take that in. Please take that in. James Harden is averaging forty points a game. Forty. 40.6 rebounds, 8 assists. Crazy shooting 45% from the field and just about 35% from free. Like, what this brother is doing on a daily basis is crazy. A lot of people criticize him saying, ah, he gets to the free throw line too much. He goes there like 20, 20 times a game. Listen, don't foul him. Just don't foul him. Like, this guy has mastered the art of drawing fouls. He's mastered the art of the step back free. And he's just such an elite scorer in our game. I feel like he's one of the best scorers in the game right now. Whether or not I'll put him ahead of Kevin Durant, obviously KD's injured right now, so so you can't really compare them. But prime KD, boy, and prime Harden, it's it's debatable. It's very much so debatable. So, yeah, James Harden's just been balling, man. Rockets sit fifth in the West. Obviously, Russell Westbrook's come in. Russ ain't a three-point shooter like that. We all know this. But what D'Antoni said, apparently, is that he doesn't have to abide by the le- twos, uh, layups or threes um, motto that the Houston Rockets live and die by. So you see him pulling up in the mid-range, pulling, um, taking deep twos. So yeah, he's just left Russ to do his thing. But still, he's shooting poor from... Th- it's not something that we didn't see coming anyway. James Harden, whether or not he'll win MVP, I don't know. I doubt it because the MVP voters, they clearly don't win. They clearly don't rate James Harden because I feel like he should have won it last year as well. But yeah, it's just sad to see how like this guy put in historic numbers each night and it's just getting overlooked. It just hurts me to see that because this guy is one of the greatest players of my generation. I want to talk about some of the disappointing teams in the in the NBA season so far this year. One of them being the Portland Trailblazers. Obviously, they went to the Western Conference Finals last year. I know, I know they suffered so many injuries this season. Zach Collins is out. Obviously, Yusuf Nurkic is going to be out for most of this season as well. Their depth in the big position is very, very poor. They picked up Hassan Whiteside. He's been, uh, he, he's just been Whiteside, isn't it? Like, that's how he's been most of his career. Like, I don't know, man. Obviously, they picked up Carmelo Anthony. Big up my guy, Melo, my dog. I thought he wasn't going to play an NBA season again. They said my guy was dusted, but he's coming to this Blazers team. He's played really, really well. 
his shooting efficiency. We all know what Melo's going to do when he plays anyway. He's not going to be the most efficient scorer, but he's trying. I mean, he's shooting 42% from the field, averaging 16 points and 6 rebounds. He's hit his, he's hit his threes. So, yeah, he's played well. Big up Damian Lillard as well. He, he endorsed Melo to come to Portland um, and also CJ McCollum. But I can't lie, they've been very, very disappointing this season. Um, a lot of people have s- have linked them to trading for Kevin Love. I feel like that will help them greatly, offensively, on the defensive end. I don't really know because Kevin Love, he's not the greatest defender in his position. And obviously, Portland already have a very, very small backcourt in Dame and CJ. And they've just acquired Melo, who we know plays zero defense. So, on the defensive end, I don't know how that will quite work out for them. But offensively, that's another stretch for he can shoot the three. Um... He's a terrific rebounder, one of the greatest rebounders in his position. So, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see if the Trailblazers can pull that off. And we'll have to see who they end up giving up for Kevin Love. As I said earlier on the show, the apparent market for Kevin Love is a protected first-round pick, a salary filler, and a possible expiring contract. Hassan Whiteside is an expiring contract, making about 28 mil this year. It's crazy. So, I feel like the salaries will match up. For Kevin Love's four-year, $120 million contract. So, yeah, the Trailblazers are one of the m- disappointing teams this year. Um, I don't really want to talk about the Warriors because we were expecting them to be bad. But, damn, they are awful this year, man. They have been... I don't even want to... Let, let's talk about more relevant teams. The Atlanta Hawks have been disappointing for me. Obviously, they are very, very... They are very, very young side. Um, I think... The loss of John Collins, obviously he's been suspended 25 games for use of PEDs, don't do drugs kids, that harmed them a lot. Um, Trey Young's been balling this season, he's put up really, really nice numbers, but it's been in losing efforts, so they, they not really, they've not really been shed light upon as they really should be. He's averaged 28 points, 8.5 assists. Recently, the Hawks had, I think it was a players only meeting. Where the GM promised Trey Young that he's going to get them some help. He's going to get him some help. So we'll see what that help means. Who they can go for. Because as I said, their roster is very, very young. They've got rookies, DeAndre Hunt and Cam Reddish. They haven't really, really stepped up. So they've been... Obviously, they're rookies. So it's hard to really judge them or be like critical of them. Because it's their first season in the league, isn't it? But DeAndre Hunt, he's shooting poorly from the field and from three. He's really disappointed me. Um, but he was known as like a defender anyway. Well, anyway, one of the better defenders in the draft, him alongside Matisse Thibault. But um, Cam Reddish as well, he's been disappointed. He, he has been very disappointed. This guy's shooting 32% from the field. I don't even want to get into his three-point shooting. So, yeah, hopefully he can step up and, you know, help the Hawks to... At the playoffs are they're out they're out of reach for them. I feel like, and I don't want to see them tank, man. I want to see them try to become a winning team because in the next few years these are the teams that could you know take over the Eastern Conference because what they have in Trey Young and John Collins is something is something special and they have a lot of cap space as well. So it'll be interesting to see if they can go for a um a decent player. They've been linked with Andre Drummond who is set to be a free agent this season if he declines the player option. I feel like that would be a very, very good acquisition for the Hawks. Him and Trey Young in the pick and roll will be decent. A couple other teams that disappointed me this season. 
the Spurs have been bad. The San Antonio Spurs have been really bad. Obviously, you know, Greg Popovich has had that everlasting playoff run. They've made the playoffs every year since 1997. 22 years. I feel like this year, that um, record is in serious, serious risk. Their, streak, their playoff streak is at serious risk. I mean, they've had a lot of... I don't know what's going on behind the scenes because obviously the Spurs, they're not really... They're one of the more prestigious franchises in the NBA. So you're not really going to get a lot of like gossip or like madnesses going on behind the camp being reported into the media. Um, but the Rosen apparently is unhappy and they'd probably be looking to trade him. LaMarcus Aldridge hasn't been at his very, very best. Obviously, he's like, what, 34, turning 35 and has been one of the most consistent players. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge has been one of the most underrated players, yeah, in the NBA in the last couple of years. If you go look at his stats in the last, like, what, six to eight years, yeah, he's been a consistent 20-point-per-game scorer. I mean, mid-range specialist, one of the specialists, one of the best mid-range scorers we have in the NBA. So, yeah, him alongside... DeMar DeRozan hasn't been the greatest fit. Obviously, they got DeJounte Murray back, but he's been really, really... He's been upset with the Spurs because he's been in and out of the starting lineup. They tend to start Bryn Forbes and also um, Derek White as well at the um, guard position. So, yeah, they've got... Uh, it's the youngest Spurs side in a while. They've got a lot of young players. Lonnie Walker, the fourth or the fifth. I don't know which one it is. Derek White. You've got your Jakob Podo. Obviously, DeJounte Murray. Um, Brim Forbes, like they got a lot of youth there, so it's gonna be interesting to see if they can continue that playoff streak. But me personally, I don't see that happening. But yeah, right now, so yeah, that's the league right now. Obviously, this time of the year, the games are coming thick and fast. Christmas Day in the NBA is always live. They always got great NBA games going on. So obviously, on Christmas Day, we've got five games starting off. The Celtics are in the north to take on the Toronto Raptors. Then it's the Bucks, Philly, Joel Embiid going up against Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then you've got the Warriors against the Rockets. I don't know why the Warriors are playing on Christmas Day, man. Like, how are you going to have, like, all these gritty all-star matchups and then you've got the Warriors playing, like, I don't know. They need to change that, man. Then you've got the Battle of LA, the Clippers against the Lakers. We all know what the Clippers done to the Lakers on opening night. So LeBron and AD will most definitely be looking for revenge, especially as they were heavily criticized on that opening day loss. I don't know why, because it was just opening day. Like It's just opening night. Like It's, it's one game out of 82. But yeah, that would be a very, very interesting game. And that's rounded up by the Pelicans against the Nuggets. Again, I don't know why the Pelicans are on Christmas Day. They probably thought that Zion would be playing, but he's been injured for a while now. Hopefully, we see him soon, man. Um, apparently, he's he's for the setback in his injury, so we'll probably see him in early 2020. But yeah, that's it for the NBA segment. Um, Clutch Pod, if you're listening on at this point, much love. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Clutch underscore Pod and also on Instagram at Clutch underscore Pod. Also, we'll be back soon. I'm your host, AB. This is Clutch Pod. We out.